Science Monday, April the 25th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, catch up, Macron re-elected and American secretaries in Kyiv. First, the world in brief. Emmanuel Macron won France's presidential election, with figures from the Interior Ministry indicating he had secured 58.5% of the vote, defeating the far-right candidate Marine Le Pen, who took 41.5%. However, Mr Le Pen did narrow the gap from the previous election in 2017, when Mr Macron had taken a 66% share. Mr Macron is the first sitting French president to have been re-elected in 20 years. He now faces parliamentary elections in June and a difficult second term. Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, met America's secretaries of state and defence on Sunday in Kyiv. America only confirmed the visit by Antony Blinken and Lloyd Austin after they left. They pledged another $713 million in military financing to be split between Ukraine and its neighbours in NATO. Ukrainian officials held out hope for heavy weaponry as well. Meanwhile, Mr Zelensky congratulated Mr Macron on his victory and called him a, quote, true friend of Ukraine. The Ukrainian government has proposed a special round of peace talks to be conducted next to the steel plant in Mariupol, according to an advisor to Mr Zelensky. Russian forces have been shelling the plant, which is being used as a refuge for the city's last offenders, as well as over a thousand citizens. Meanwhile, Britain's military intelligence warned that Russia is planning to stage a referendum in the occupied city of Kherson. Slovenia's right-wing Prime Minister, Janez Janša, lost parliamentary elections to a new party led by Robert Golob, an environmentalist. Mr Golob's Freedom Movement, founded in January, won 34.5% of the vote, to 23.6% for Mr Janša's populist SDS. Mr Janša, who has completed three terms, has been faulted by Slovenes and other Europeans for undermining democratic standards. Twitter's board met on Sunday to review Elon Musk's offer to buy the company. Mr Musk had offered an unsolicited $43 billion to take Twitter private, and he said he would consider a tender offer for shareholders. The board previously adopted a, quote, poison pill to block Mr Musk from taking control. It seems to have grown more receptive since he began queuing up financiers. As Shanghai reels under a severe lockdown to contain COVID-19, municipal authorities in Beijing said China's capital faces a, quote, urgent and grim situation of its own. Residents of its Chaoyong district will need to take three tests in the next week, though the city had detected just 22 cases on Saturday. Shanghai tallied 19,000 new cases on Sunday and 51 deaths. More than 100 people died in an explosion at an illegal oil refinery in southeastern Nigeria, quote, burnt beyond recognition, according to a local official. 
Illicit operators in the Niger Delta are known to siphon oil from pipelines and refine it themselves in makeshift tanks. The government estimates that 200,000 barrels per day, over a tenth of Nigeria's oil output, is lost this way. And fact of the day. 16 million. The number of people who have left Mexico for America since 1965. And now, here's today's agenda. Russia's war grinds on. The war in Ukraine entered its third month on Sunday, which marked Orthodox Easter. Peace remains distant. Having failed to take Kyiv, the capital, Russia is trying to make strides in the south and east in time for Victory Day on May 9th, when it celebrates the defeat of Nazi Germany. America and its allies are rushing ever more powerful weapons to Ukraine, now including tanks, howitzers and drones. How will the war end? Some Europeans foresee a stalemate, followed by a negotiation. The best Russia can probably obtain is an agreement that lets it keep its gains and makes Ukraine neutral, like Finland after the Second World War. More likely is a dangerous armed truce, akin to that on the Korean Peninsula, with Ukraine as a new western bastion. The question for the West will be how far to push for an outright defeat of Russia's forces. The face of Murdoch's TV news channel in Britain. Piers Morgan has a knack for irritating people. The British television broadcaster's disparaging comments about Meghan Markle, an actress and wife of Prince Harry, on a morning news show last year, drew the most complaints in British broadcasting history. Now, Rupert Murdoch, the tycoon who owns Fox News, has hired Mr Morgan as the face of Talk TV, a loudmouth channel that launches in Britain on Monday. Mr Murdoch has mulled the idea of setting up Talk TV since he lost control of Sky, another broadcaster, in 2018. He briefly considered investing in GB News, a right-wing rival that launched in 2021 and has failed to capture a big audience. Talk TV's bosses say their offering will be less ideological. It will keep costs down by sharing programming with Talk Radio, a phone-in station, and by leaning on journalism produced by Mr Murdoch's newspapers. Britain has never warmed to the sort of opinionated TV news that is popular in America, Talk TV wants to change that. Mr Morgan promises to quote, annoy all the right people. Aung San Suu Kyi's rap sheet grows longer. A court in Myanmar will deliver its verdict in the latest trial of the country's former leader on Monday. Aung San Suu Kyi is accused of accepting a bribe from a politician the first of several counts of corruption. Toppled by the army in a coup in February 2021, Miss Suu Kyi has been detained in an undisclosed location ever since. She has already received a six-year sentence for breaking COVID-19 rules and improperly importing walkie-talkies. The 76-year-old now faces a slew of more serious allegations, which in total carry a maximum sentence of more than 150 years. 
the charges are probably designed to prevent her return to politics. The military junta is prepared to commit massacres and worse to avoid sharing power with civilians. But the generals have not converted the public to their cause. Militias have sprung up since the coup, denying the army control of swathes of territory. Some 550,000 people have been displaced by the violence, and millions more have sunk into poverty. El Salvador tackles a spike in gang violence. El Salvador's government is getting tough on gangs. In a single weekend in March, gang members reportedly killed 87 people. Since then, using a state of emergency that is set to expire at the end of the week, the authorities have arrested over 15,000 people. New laws have increased jail time for gang membership from 9 to 45 years, or up to 60 years for public officials. Children as young as 12 can be locked up. Civil society organisations say the response is heavy-handed. Nayib Bukele, the president, became more popular of late as the murder rate fell. That, in turn, was probably the result of alleged negotiations between officials and the gangs. A breakdown in those talks may have led to the spike in violence. But he has little truck with human rights. Some fear the state of emergency will have wider consequences and that the government may turn next on other opponents, such as journalists. It could do as much harm as good. Caution. Reading road signs can kill. Drivers in America are used to seeing roadside messages announcing how many people have been killed on their highways. Quote, 1,669 deaths this year on Texas roads, reads one. Such signs are used in 28 states. Despite the obvious good intentions, a new study in Science, a journal, suggests that these warnings are backfiring. In Texas, fatality messages are shown for one week each month, which made for a natural experiment. Analysts found that, over the course of several years, when the messages were shown, crashes in the next 10 kilometres, 6.2 miles, rose by 4.5%. This increase extracts a tragic toll. Over a year it translates into an estimated 2,600 more accidents and 16 deaths in Texas. The leading hypothesis for this phenomenon is the somber messages increase drivers' quote, cognitive loads. Simply put, morbid statistics are particularly distracting. The wider lesson? Behavioural nudges, no matter how well-intentioned, do not always have the desired effect. Daily Quiz Arboristas will serve you a new question each day. On Friday, your challenge is to give all five answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 5pm BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Monday. What is the current name of the long American river 
marked as Pekitanui or Umezurit on early maps. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Guglielmo Marconi, who was born on this day in 1874. Every day sees humanity more victorious in the struggle with space and time. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.